All right, Trevor, say good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Nisan. To thank Jerry and Appy Applebaum for dedicating the Shi'urim this month in memory of Basia Baschaim and David Ben Avram. We thank Drs. Paul and Linda Weinberg for dedicating the Shi'urim this month in memory of Mordechai Yoshua, Ben Perez Moshe, Velea Miriam. Paul and Kathy Pollack for dedicating the Shurim and Joshua's this month in the Schusser of Rafur Shalema for Kathy's sister Donna Baker Matson, Stephen Tarizin for dedicating the Shurim and Joshua's this month with gratitude to Hashem for their grandson Bonimtsi Hirsch Zin, Naftali Tilson for gratitude to his Chaver Benjamin Wall and with wishes of Echad Kasher Vesameach to the entire Shir and Avram and Shandy Kelman. For dedicating the Shurim this month, the commission of the Arzad of Avram's mother, Sarah Braina Bas Yoshua Heschel. Wonderful, so we thank all of our sponsors for their dedication. We hope all of the Nishamas have an Aliyah. Those who require a report should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. And also with that, let us, let us begin. So we'll say a lot, a lot, uh, a lot to do today. So Baruch Hashem, today's daf is Lamed Zayin, and we are going to. Let's hit him head over there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we are going to pick up Emir Hashem on Lamed Vav Amid Bay. So let's actually just look back. I know we did the last part. We we ended off a little bit further down on the page, but if you just jump back for a moment, just to the two dots, just very quickly. I know it's the middle of, of Amid Bay's there, but this way we'll go ahead and. We'll get a little bit of a, of a clearer picture of the sugya. So by the two dots, in Ablat Shal Kayama. So just reorient ourselves a little bit. The Mishnah was talking about a situation where, same cases we were dealing with up until this time, Reuben and Shimon, right, two brothers. Reuben is married to Rachel, right? Or Rachel and Leah, we'll call it, just to keep it easy. Reuben dies, Rachel does Yibum with Shimon. Everything is fine until we discover that Rachel is pregnant. Rachel is pregnant. Now, this is a case where, again, at least for now, we know that the child is Ruvain's. So remember, again, the issue we have over here is now they've already done Yibum. So the, the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said that Halacha Lamaisa, Bizman Shavlad Shal Kayama. So if it turns out that Halacha Lamaisa, Rachel gives birth to a healthy baby, then ultimately Shimon is obligated to go ahead and, you know, divorce her. They can't live together anymore because it's Aisha's Ach. However, however, the Mishnah said, um, if ve'in ve'im ein vlad shal kayama yikayim. See, interestingly enough, halacha if the baby is not viable, then they are permitted to continue to live together because it turns out that what ex post facto this was a proper yibum. Okay, so we'll say that's the case in the Mishnah. Comes longer belazer. Tanu Mishnah Rabbi Eliezer Omer Yotzi beget. Rabbi Eliezer says, one second, one second. First thing you have to do is you have to divorce her with a get. And the reason you have to divorce her with a get, brother, as it says, is because this marriage was illegal, right? Really, it wasn't supposed to happen. So, Lamaisa, here's what's interesting. When Rabbi Lezza says you have to divorce her with a get, you have to divorce her now, conclude this marriage, and what? But what can you do? Remarry her afterwards. In other words, now that unfortunately the baby was not viable, it turns out, well, well, actually, I, I take that back. Let, let's, let's play this out. Rabbi Lezza says, the marriage was begun in, in a state of illegality, and therefore it cannot be allowed to continue. Some Rabbi Eliezer both said the same thing. Rabbi Eliezer Hadamran, suppose Rabbi Eliezer is what we just said, namely, that if you did Yibum, if, if Shimon did Yibum with Rachel and she's pregnant, and Halacha even if it turns out that the baby's not viable, there is still a din of a, there is still a din of giving a get. Rabbi Meir, what did Rabbi Meir say? The Sanya lo yisa adam uberes chavero omenekes chavero. So let's say again, we had this yesterday. Person should not go ahead and marry marry the white. Right? Let's say a woman is widowed, but ultimately she's pregnant from her first husband, or she's not. By the way, it doesn't have to be widowed; it could be divorced also. She's she's pregnant from her first husband. She's nursing her child from her first husband. Salochalam. So you should not marry such a woman. What's the concern, right? What's the concern? The concern is to neglect of either the infant or the pregnancy, like we spoke about yesterday. And if you did marry her, you illegally married her, you have to divorce her, and you are never permitted to remarry. That's, that, that, that's Rabbi Meir. Chum say, 
you have to, now we'll discuss what Yotzi means in just a moment. But Yotzi means you have to essentially, right, dissolve the marriage. But halacha, for, for the duration of what? For the duration of the pregnancy or the nursing, but then you're allowed to remarry her. So we'll say this is very interesting. So the mayor holds that halacha lamaisa, since you illegally entered into this marriage, you're obligated to dissolve it and you're not permitted, and that's it, you're not permitted to resume it. This is like a knas. Chacham say no. There's a very specific reason you're not supposed to marry a nursing woman, right? Because again, we're concerned she's going to become pregnant, diminish her milk supply, and put her infant at risk. We're concerned ultimately, again, same thing about the pregnancy. A pregnant woman who's pregnant from another man, we're concerned that the pregnancy is going to be neglected. So in those cases, Rabbi Meir says, if you illegally marry this woman, you're obligated to divorce her, you can never remarry her. Chachamim say we agree, you have to divorce or at least you have to separate, we'll see which one, but after the window of illegality closes, there's no reason you can't be married to this woman. So the Gemara wants to suggest that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Eliezer say the same thing. Right? What does Rabbi Eliezer and, our, and our, Rabbi Eliezer just commented, what did he say? In the case where Shimon illegally married his Yavama, again, it was a mistake, it wasn't intentional, but Lamaisa, she's pregnant, so Rabbi Eliezer says, you have to divorce her. You have to give her a get. This is an illegal relationship. It must be dissolved. Rabbi Meir says over here, you marry a woman within the 24 months of nursing or pregnant, ultimately, again, you have to divorce her. So the Gemara wants to suggest, or Rabbi wanted to suggest, that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Eliezer are saying the same thing. To which the Gemara says, not necessarily. This is really where we get up to. How do you know they're saying the same thing? Dilalohi. You may not be able to align these two, and I'll tell you why. And Rabbi Eliezer is referring to an Isra Daraisa. Rabbi Eliezer is saying, you married your brother's wife, and because she's pregnant, there was no real heter of Yibom. There was no real heter of Yibom. So really, okay, so now, remember, it turns out that what? That the, the Vlad wasn't viable. So it turns out that Halachal said, did you do anything illegal? Right? Did Shimon do anything illegal when he did Yibum with Rachel? No. But you're really skirting very close to illegality over here. So it says, you know, we, 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 don't, we, want, we don't want people engaging in this type of behavior, and we don't want people playing it so, so dangerously close to an Isra Da'araisa. That's right, but as I will say, you have to give again. Avahasab, Dirabanon. I will say, in this case over here, of Meinekes Chavero, Meuberes Chavero, right? A woman who's nursing a child from another marriage, a woman who's pregnant from her previous marriage. This is a Dindrabanon. This is a Dindrabanon. So it's quite possible that even Rabbi Eliezer would agree that if you illegally married one of these women, true, you should separate for their prohibited window, but then you're permitted to ma- remain married to her afterwards. The Gemara says, fine. Avahasam Dindrabanon, Kirabanon, Sviyole, Inami. For other possibilities, Furthermore, it's possible even Rabbi Meir was only so machmir by the case of Meinekes Chavero, Meuberes Chavero, Dafka because there are cases of Dirabanans. And I will say, sometimes we see this concept that the, the Rabbanim had to be more machmir with their own laws than with biblical law in order to ensure true compliance. The Yomarsava But with the Daraisa we're not concerned that people are going to tread lightly on a Daraisa or tread on a Daraisa. Amarava. So I'll say so again. So therefore the two Shitas do not align. But what does come out is something very interesting. So we have Rabbi Eliezer commenting in our Mishnah, kind of disagreeing with our Mishnah. Because remember again, what did our Mishnah say? Let's go back. Ruven dies, leaves behind the widow Rachel. It's right, Shimon does Yibam. Everybody thinks they're just doing the right thing. Then it turns out that what? That what? Rachel's pregnant. Okay. Rachel delivers or she miscarries. Non-viable baby. So we'll say, so what's the status of, of Shimon and Leah's marriage? According to the Mishnah, what's the status of their marriage? Right? Yibam. It's fine. Rabbi Eliezer came along and said, no. No, 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 no. Gotta give her a get. Gotta give her a get. Why? Because a marriage that was started in a state of illegality has to be dissolved. That, 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 that's Rabbi Eliezer's, that's Rabbi Eliezer's shita. If the relationship started in an illegal state, it must be dissolved with a get. We tried to align that with Rabbi Meir. By Menekes Chavero, Mu'ubaras Chavero, turns out they're, they're not really aligned. 
So let's take, let's go back. Says the Gemara, Amar Rava, Ulu Divrei Chachamim Yotzia Beget. So we'll say now focusing on the case of Meinekes Chaveiro Meuberes Chaveiro. Remember again, what did the Chachamim say? Let's jump. So again, so so Shimon, well, we just use the same names, but not Yibum. Shimon marries Rachel because her husband Ruben passed away. They're not brothers in this case. But it turns out that Nebuch, Rachel, was widowed with a young baby. So now she's nursing. She's nursing. What did Chazal say about a woman who's nursing remarrying her? What did they say? Not within 24 months. Can't, gotta wait. Gotta wait. Shimon illegally marries her. Right? Remember again, so what did the Rabbanon say? The Rabbanon say, Yotzia, he has to literally have to dissolve the marriage or, or remove the marriage. But he could remarry her after the 24 months elapse. Comes along Rabbi and Rabbi says, by the way, Chachamim Yotzia beget. Beget. When the Chachamim say you have to dissolve the marriage, it means you have to divorce her. You have to divorce her. You could remarry her afterwards, but Lamaisa, right now you have to divorce her. Aramarzucha, Aramarzucha says, Dekanami Diktani Yotzi Velokatani Yafrish. So I'll say, Marzutra says, I'll tell you why this is true. The Diok is very strong. The Gemara used lotion of Yotzi and not Yafrish. Yafrish means what? Yafrish means what? Separate. Yotzi means remove. And Yotzi always means a get. So we'll say this is incredibly important. So even to, according to the Chachamim who say that no, you could remain married to this woman. You just can't remain married to her during the window of illegality. Hold that during that window, you must actively dissolve the marriage. So again, Shimon has to give Rachel a get when she finishes nursing. Ultimately, he's permitted to remarry her, but Lamais again, he's got to give her a get. Incredible. There we learn. So again, I just want to point out. Well, okay, let's let's go back here because we have a lot of we have a lot of a lot of fascinating concepts floating around over here. Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah. Rabbi Meir Chachamim in the case of Neinekes Umeuberes Chavero. Armoli Ravashi Ravoshi Abred Rav Idi. Hasam Tanan. There we learn Shimon Yalomer. Kol Sheshaba Adam Lamed Yom Eno Nefel. So I'll say this is actually an interesting, an interesting discussion. So we have a general concept that Halacha Lamaisa. Look at Rashi. Kol Sheshash Shloshim Yom. It's in the third wide line of Rashi. Mishnovat Chach Shloshim Yom. A baby once it's born. If it survives for 30 days, it's considered to be viable. So I'll say, meaning that if a child, if a baby passes away within 30 days, that was considered to be mitrila, a non-viable baby. Once you pass the 30-day mark, ultimately that represents viability. Haloshal, sveikahavi. And I will say, now interestingly enough, if it did not, let's say the baby passed away within 30 days, it's a suffix. In other words, we, we can't say definitively it's not a viable baby, but ultimately, again, it's a suffix viability. And I will say, I want to point out over here, what, what's the nafkamina? In other words, the baby was born alive. So what's nafkamina if it passes away within 30 days after 30 days? So first of all, again, remember, for yibum, what we've seen is like this. In order for the widow not to have to do yibum, she has, it's not just enough for her to have a child. She has to have what? A Vlad Shalkayama, a viable child. So this is incredibly important. So now the Gemara is suggesting over here, this is not just the din of if the baby's born and when the baby's born, the baby's healthy. It seems to be over here, Shemuel says that viability is determined by the ability to make it past the first 30 days of life. That determines viability. I think I also mentioned a few days ago, there's also a Nafkamina for sitting Shiva. Ultimately, ultimately for, for morning practices. Is there an obligation of morning practices for a child that dies within 30 days? According to most opinions, the answer to that is no, because dying within 30 days represents a lack of viability. Okay, but we're going to focus on the Yibum. So the Gemara says, Here we learned, Listen to this also. But yet we also learned as follows, that if a woman has a child, woman has a child, and what? The baby died within 30 days. And ultimately, again, she got up and she accepted Kiddushin. Now, both said, just to frame the case over here, because it's actually a, a fascinating case. So, Rashi says, Listen to this. So, I say, now, 
Same case as we had before. Reuven and Shimon brothers. Reuven passes away. Rachel leaves behind Rachel. In this case, in this case, Rachel, the widow, knows that she's pregnant at the time of her husband's death. No yibo. Of course, no yibo. She gives birth to a baby. What happens? What happens? The baby passes away within 30 days. But Rachel goes and gets married. Right? Not, not, not to Shimon. Rachel accepts Kiddushin from, from someone in the shok, right? From some, regardless of the shok, you know, from a regular guy, from a regular guy. So I'll say, what's the halacha? Ravina Mishmei the Rava Amar, Im Eishas Yisrael Hicholetzes, Im Eishas Kohen Hicholetzes. So listen to this. So the Gemara suggests as follows. So Rava says, look, we'll say, now we have an interesting case here. Why? Because the baby passed away within 30 days, wasn't viable, wasn't viable. So really, she's subject to what? Yibum. So listen to this. So the Gemara says, if she's married to a Yisrael, no problem. Just let her do chalitza with Shimon, and then she can carry on with the rest of her life. Look at Rashi. Suppose they listen to this. So if she married, right? If Rachel married a Yisrael, a regular guy, no problem. Just let her do chalitza with Shimon, and I will say, now she's a chalutza, but does that impact her present marriage? No, no because halacha ma'asi Yisrael can marry a chalutza. If she is the wife of a kohen, so I will say, here's the problem. If she's the wife of a kohen, and now we were to make her do chalitza with Shimon, she would effectively be prohibited to her second husband. So if she's the wife of a kohen, she doesn't do chalitza, to which the And ultimately, again, Rabbi Meshar Shalim of Rava said, no, both of these women have to do chalitza. In other words, Rabbi Meshar says, this, this, is not, this is not like an optional chalitza. She has to do chalitza. She has to do chalitza. Amr Ali Ravina, the Rabbi Meshar So Ravina said to Rabbi Meshar as follows. Ba'arta Amr Rava at night, Rava said this position, right? Ultimately, again, it was Safra Hadrbei. But in the morning, he retracted it. So in other words, so he said to Rabbi Shashia, at night, Rava said that Allah said both women have to do chalitza. But in the morning, he changed his mind to go back and say, no, 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 if, it's an age, if she's married to a Yisrael, she does chalitza. But if she's married to a Kohen, she doesn't need to do chalitza. So listen, now listen to this. So Amrle, Amrle, Sharis, Bzafra, Hadrbe, Amrle, Sharisu. Are you telling me that Rava allowed this woman, if she's married to a Kohen, to continue without Chalitza? So Yehi Rava did Tishtaru Aftarba. So it should be, right? If you do that, literally it means I, I make a Shvua that you're going to come to prohibit, that you're going to come to permit forbidden fats. Right? Chalif. Otherwise, I will say what he was saying. It's another word. Otherwise, it's an expression of saying, "There's no way you're crazy, right? You're crazy. There's no way that Rava would allow this woman, even if she's married to a coin, not to do chalitza." It turns out she had a non-viable child. So Lemais, again, of course, she's subject to chalitza. So to which the Gemara says, "Ye Rava de Teshara Aftar Bahachanami Meuberes Chaveiro." So here's what's happening over here. This is actually just, just quite fascinating. So, for, so first of all, what you have over here is like this. Here Rabbi Shimon is saying that if the baby passes away after 30 days, it shows viability. Within 30 days, within 30 days, we'll say it's just a suffix viability. Suffolk viability. But remember, again, when you have a case of the Yavama, Rachel, who gives birth, had the baby pass away within 30 days, and then gets married, and then gets married, even if you want to say it's a Suffolk, right? It's a Suffolk Da'oraisa about whether or not she's subject to evil. The only way to deal with the Suffolk Da'oraisa is how? Is how? Chalitza. Now, again, to which the Gemara is saying, and it has to be, no matter who she's married to, whether she's married to a Kohen or to a Yisrael, she's going to have to do that Chalitza. Now, there's ramifications. If she's married to a Yisrael and she does Chalitza, the good news is what? The good news is what? Her marriage is unimpacted. Unfortunately, if she married a Kohen and she has to do Chalitza, her marriage will be impacted. But it's impossible for her not to do that Chalitza because we're still at least dealing with what? 
a suffix da'oraisa that she is chayeves in yibum. Incredible. So says the Gemara, listen to this. What about hachanami, hacha gabi me'uberes chaveru o'meinekes chaveru hanesua lekoin mai? You will say, what about the following case? What about the following case? What about aloha lemaisa? Let's say again, you have amenekes chaveru muberes chaveru. So we'll say, let's, here's the case. Right? Ruvain passes away. Ruvain passes away. Leaves behind the widow, Rachel. Let's, let's just keep it. Rachel is widowed with a young child, one, a one-year-old child, and she's nursing. Shimon, who, right? Shimon marries her. Legal or illegal? Right? Illegal. Not allowed to do that. Not allowed to do that. But let's say now, Shimon's a coin. Shimon's a coin. So let's say, here's the Shaila. Here's the Shaila. If we go ahead and we tell Shimon that he has to divorce Rachel, but don't worry, you could remarry her. Does that work? No. Why? He's a Kohen. So the Shaila is, do we help him out? Right? Does, does, halacha, does halacha essentially, does halacha give him some type of Eitzah? Or do we say, no, you're stuck. So the Gemara said, Mi avad Rabbanan takantal a Kohen alone. Ultimately, again, do we help him? I'm not looking at Rashi. Mi avad Rabbanan takantal takantal a Kohen. Da'afagad l'Yisrael ba'inan yotzi beget ad shiagiyazmano. Hasam hulichishi agiyazmano mai matzi la dura. Aval hachadi megarish lo matzi mahadila. Tiski bafashwal. And I will say, how would you help him out? Right? Help a Kohanic brother out. How, how do you help him out? Right? How do you help him out? Ultimately, again, just tell them to separate. In other words, we could accomplish what we need to accomplish without the get. How do you do that? Tell them, listen, you have to separate. So do we say that? Do, in other words, we'll say, we just got finished. Let's go. I know we're jumping back and forth a little bit between sugyas. But remember again, what did we just say before? We just said before that if you illegally marry a woman who's nursing another man's child, that sounds much more illicit than it actually is, right? In other words, that simple case, she's widowed with a baby. She's widowed with a baby. Or she's widowed and she's pregnant. So you're not allowed to marry a woman who's pregnant from another man. Again, it's a dindra bonon. We're afraid about neglect of the pregnancy. You're not allowed to marry a, a woman who's nursing another man's child up till the baby's two years old. Again, afraid of neglect of the infant. That's what we're afraid about over here. And if you did so, we said on Ahmed Bey's that what? You have to divorce her. The good news is you have to divorce her now, but what? But what? You can remarry her later. That's fine if you're, if you're a Yisrael. What happens if the man who illegally married her is a Kohen? Do we say, you still have to divorce her? In which case, again, the marriage is effectively over. Or do we say that, no, separate. Separate. And as long as you separate for the duration of the pregnancy, duration of nursing, afterwards, halacha you could resume a normal married life. To which the Gemara says, now, why is this being brought up over here? This is being brought up over here because I was saying the previous case of Yibam, right? Remember again, I was saying the previous case. Shruvin passes away, leaves behind the widow Rachel. Rachel's pregnant. Rachel's pregnant, right? Rachel goes in and gives birth. Baby passes away within 30 days. Rachel goes ahead and she marries a coin afterwards, right? What's the halacha? What's the halacha? So we'll say, at least according to the Rabbanon, what do we say by an Asia's coin? By an Asia's coin, we say that she doesn't have to do chalitza, at least according to one opinion, right? Why not? Now we'll say, what's the logic of saying that if she married a coin, she doesn't have to do chalitza, right? Because if we make her do chalitza, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? She's a surah to her husband. Aye, but isn't there a safek yibum, right? A safek doraisa. Remember, again, I will say, the Rabbanon effectively hold that a baby is considered to be viable as soon as what? As soon as what? It's born alive. In other words, they don't subscribe to the 30-day threshold. They hold viability is determined at birth. If the baby is born alive, that's a viable baby. It's Rav Shimon who said that Allah you need the 30-day threshold. So therefore, when she went ahead and she married a coin after the, after the death of her baby within 30 days, so if it's Yisrael, we'll just make her do chalitza. Because why not? Why not? It doesn't impact the marriage. But if she's married to a coin, we're going to be makel, we're going to be lenient, and ultimately, again, subscribe to the opinion of the Rabbanon, that you don't need a 30-day threshold to establish viability in order to allow her to remain married to her husband. 
But we could do that there because there is a tzad lahakel. There is an ability to make, or there's an ability to be lenient because there's an opinion that says you don't need 30 days to establish viability. Viability is established at birth. However, avahacha, but in the case of where a coin illegally marries, menekes chavero meuberes chavero, keman navid, who we supposed to pass like? If like Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, you have to go ahead and divorce, you can never remarry it, like we saw in Amad Beis. And according to the Rabbanon, ultimately again she requires to get there. It turns out that in this case, when you marry, and, and in fact this is how the Rabban Paskins, when a person marries, if you illegally marry a woman who is nursing, or you illegally marry a woman who is, who is pregnant with another man's child, that's an illegal marriage, and if you do so, Chazal force you to give her a get. If you are a Yisrael, you could remarry her after the, after the permitted period of time, but if you're a Kohen, unfortunately you're stuck. And, there, and Chazal have no Eitzah for you, right? There's no way to circumvent that. Separating by itself is not going to be enough. Incredible. Se'itmar, kitshav shlosha, ubarach. So also, listen to this interesting case. What happens if halacha l'maysa, halacha l'maysa, the guy goes ahead, now both sides, switching gears again. Switching gears again. So, also, so we've, got, we've, got, we've got a lot, we've got a lot going on. So, so far again, let's go with what we know. What we know is that Allah said there's a din mi'uberes chavero me'nekes chavero. Can't go ahead and marry a woman who's pregnant with another man's child. Can't marry a woman who is nursing another man's child. If you do so, what's the Allah? Divorce. Divorce. If a Yisrael could remarry her, if you're not a Yisrael, if you're a coin, ultimately can't remarry her. The other case we're in the middle of dealing with is a case ultimately, again, where Allah said, Rachel, right, widowed from, from Ruvain, from Ruvain, um, from Ruvain, um, from Ruvain, right? And then ultimately, again, gives birth, pregnant, gives birth, baby dies within 30 days, she marries, she marries. What's the halacha? The way the, th- that's a machlokas. First opinion says that halacha lamaisa, if she's married to a Yisrael, do chalitza, continue on with the marriage. If she's married to a Kohen, don't have to do chalitza. What is that based on that if she's married to a coin doesn't have to do chalitza? What is that based on? That's based on the position of the Rabbanon who hold that viability is established at birth and does not require a 30-day threshold. Therefore, when Rachel gives birth to a living baby, that's it. She's done, right? She's not subject to yibum. Whatever happens afterwards is irrelevant for this particular discussion. But there seems to be a, a pushback on that. That halach lamais, according to Rava, at least she has to do chalitza no matter what, knowing that chalitza with a coin ultimately will go ahead and preclude her from continuing to live with this husband. Um, okay, well let, let, let's get a little bit of and then I'll show you some halach lamais on this. Yeah, by by Menekes Chavero. Okay, fine. Let's get a little bit weiter. Itmar kitshav esok shlosha ubarach. Now switching gears again. Let me close out there. Right, switching gears again. In general, whenever a woman is widowed or divorced, what's talacho? She cannot remarry immediately. She has to wait three months. Called havchana. Havchana, to be mavchin, literally to discern. Is she pregnant? Is she pregnant from the first marriage or not? So listen to this. Let's say a guy, listen to this case. A guy, he did kiddushin with a woman. Right? He did kiddushin with a woman. Right? Who's, who's within three months after being widowed or divorced. And then he ran away. It happens, right? It happens, right? So he ran away. He ran away. So we'll say, so now listen to this. Now he's gone for three months. He's gone for three months. Baruch So the Gemara says, Baruch. Pligi baravacha varafram. So we'll say, what's, what's the shaila? What's the shaila? Do we require a get in a situation where the husband was not physically present? In other words, Effectively, we're going to see is she pregnant or not from the previous marriage. Because and again, there's no concern about anything else because Lamaisa, he's out of the picture, right? He's gone. He's gone. Do we still require a get even though he's not physically present? Ultimately, one says we excommunicate him. Now we'll say mishamtinale means we put pressure on him to give a get. Right, it's got to give a get. Right, v'chad amar iruke mestaya. 
Owen says, no, he ran away. And the fact that he ran away, Rashi says, Essentially, the fact that he ran away, by the way, and ran away sounds very dramatic, right? It's not the shot that, like, you know, he packed a little bag and then he ran. In other words, that he just, he left town. And he's not going to be back until after three months. So the second opinion says, listen, the fact that he left town indicates he has no intention of living with her during these three months. I don't know, he wanted all, he right, she's a wonderful woman, he didn't want someone else to be Kaddisher, so he gave her Kiddushin now, then he left town for three months. That's enough. That's enough. So I says, hear the Shaila, do we force him to give a get? Or do we say, look, he knows he's not allowed to live with her, he gave her Kiddushin, he left town, he's going to be gone for three months, and Shalom Yisrael. To which the Gemara says, Hava Ovda, this happened. This happened. Vamalu Raphram, Iruke Mistaya. And Raphram said, Halach the fact that he ran away, that is enough. That is enough. Ultimately, again, the, and that's indeed how the Rambam Paskins, that Halach Lamaisa, Nasa Ubarach Laachar Zaman, Bav Yashem Ishto, Ein Bekach Klum. So I'll say, so interesting enough, the way the Rambam Paskins is that, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll go get, let me, let me read this to you just for a moment. So the Rambam says, Avar Venasa Mubaras Omenika Besoch Zmanza, if you illegally married, Mubaras Chavero, or menekes chavero. Right within the 24 months, within the 9 months. So what's the halacha? Yotzi beget. Halacha you have to give her a get. If you're a Yisrael, you could remarry her after 24 months. By the way, I will say, I just want to point out, you know, with the pregnancy case, if you marry a woman who is pregnant with someone else's child, so the mice, it's not just a pshat that you can go ahead and remarry her after the pregnancy. Because remember, again, after pregnancy comes... Nursing. So remember again, you would be only able to marry her really only after the 24 months of nursing. Nasa ubarach ula akhazman ba biyashav imishto. Right, if Halach Lamaisa married her and Halach Lamaisa ran away and then came back only after the two years, ain't bekach klum. The Ramam says that doesn't count, you'd have to give her again. Otherwise, we're penalizing this guy. We're penalizing this guy. We want to be very careful with this situation and we make him give her a get. You could remarry her the moment afterwards, but Lamaisa would require a get. Incredible. Says the Gemara. Let's go back there. Suffolk ben Tesha. So let's remember again, as you get to the end of the Mishnah, the Mishnah said as follows. Suffolk ben Tesha, the Rishon, Suffolk ben Shiva Lachon. But say back to Yibum. Back to Yibum. Right? So Ruben passes away, leaves behind the widow Rachel. Rachel, turns out Rachel's pregnant. I'm sorry, one more piece. Shimon did Yibum. Shimon did Yibum. Turns out Rachel's pregnant. And I will say, what are we unsure of? We're unsure whose child it is. She gives birth. And we're unsure, is this a nine-month-old baby from our nine-month pregnancy from husband number one or seven from Ruvain or seven-month pregnancy from Yavam from Shimon, husband number two? Just simply unsure. So, so what? I'm sorry. So what, what does the Mishnah say? What does the Mishnah, so the Mishnah says like this. The Mishnah says Yotzi. So they have to dissolve the marriage. Right? They have to dissolve the marriage. However, Vlad Kasher, the baby, the baby is totally Kasher. But Rachel and Shimon have to bring in Asham Taloi. But say Asham Taloi is the carbon you bring if you possibly violated something significant. So that's the halacha. Amalei Rabbi Rav Nachman. Leima halach acha rov nashim. Why don't we just say we go after the majority of women? And the majority of women deliver after nine months. So just say that this is a nine-month-old baby. Our women give birth at the end of seven months. So we'll say, so Rav says back to Rav Nachman, are your women the majority of the world? Your women give, back, give birth you know, at seven months. But Lamaisa, we go after the rove of the world. The rove of the world is women give birth. I, I guess in the, right, the rove is that rove pregnancies are full term pregnancies. We'll have to ask Dr. Leimam is not here. He's in Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem. So I'll have to ask him. It's an interesting idea. I don't know. The Gemara seems to say rove, where majority of pregnancies are full term pregnancies. So the Gemara says, so we'll say, that's the case, rely on the rove. And therefore, let's assume that when Rachel gives birth, whose baby is she giving birth to? Whose baby? Ruvain, her husband's. In which case, in which case, the baby born is her, is Ruvain's child, is Ruvain's child, still kosher, right, totally kosher, but Lamaisa, <coughs> Lamaisa again, Lamaisa, obviously, still have to dissolve the marriage, now instead of bringing Asham Taloi, then you would what, 
you would bring a chatos, you would bring a chatos, because it turns out that Lamaisa, they definitely committed an, Ill, an illegal act. To which the Lord like, Hachi Kami, this is what I mean to say. Rov Nashin Yaldan Latisha, the majority of women give birth at the end of nine months. Umiyot Lashiva, a minority gives birth at the end of seven months. Listen to this. Vachal Yaledis Tisha, Ubra Nikra Lashlish Yamel. Let's say women who carry full term, their pregnancy is visible at the end of the first trimester. Right? At the end of three months. At the end of three months. Vizu, now in this case, obviously, but this woman, Rachel, was not showing at the end of three months. The fact that she was not showing at the end of three months, or else it does what? Erodes the rove. And therefore, again, seeing maybe for the rove of nine months doesn't apply to her. And therefore opens the window of possibility that Lamaisa, this is a seven-month seven month pregnancy for the second husband. One second. So I'll say, if that's true, that women who carry full term to nine months, the pregnancy is visible at the end of the first trimester. If that's the case, then if Rachel wasn't showing at the end of three months, that shows that what? That shows that month. That, that what? This was a seventh-month baby for Shimon. That should be a proof. To which the girl says, no, no, no. Ela'ima, rov hayodos letisha, obra nikolish lishyamel. So no, no. What it means is the majority of women who carry full term, their pregnancy is visible at the end of three months. Vahai, midelo hokalish lishyamel, israeli ruba. But this one, since she wasn't showing at the end of three months, ultimately, again, the rove was eroded. So we'll say, what we have over here is just like a lot of roves, right? Rove number one is the majority of women carry towards the end, of full term, nine months. Another rove is that ultimately, again, what? Halacha women who carry nine months are generally showing at the end of three months. So I'll say the point over here is, but this woman, she didn't have either of those things. So the rove was eroded. But erosion of the rove does not create conclusive facts going in the other direction. So therefore, again, when Rachel gives birth, we're still not sure. Is this a nine-month-old baby, a nine-month pregnancy, right? For Ruvain, husband number one, or is this a seven-month pregnancy, husband number two for the Yavam, or for, for her brother-in-law, for Shimon? That's the fundamental Shaila. So because we're unsure, again, the result is dissolve the marriage, dissolve the marriage, Ruve, Rachel, sorry, Rachel and Shimon bring in Asham Taloi, but the baby genealogically is 100% fit. Right, right, right. So because, because either way, because either way, halacha the baby's fine. Either the baby is the son of, of Ruvain, in which case it's fine, or the baby is what? Or the baby is what? A seventh month old baby of Shimon, right? But again, if it's a baby of Shimon, then it's not a baby of who? Ruvain. And if Ruvain didn't have a baby, then what? Yibom was a mitzvah. In either case, the baby is fine. That's so why genealogically, that's why I'll say, interestingly enough, you have like a little bit of a suffix adultery, a little bit of a suffix adultery, but Lamaisa, the baby is a thousand percent genealogically fit. Now, again, we're not necessarily sure who the father is, right? But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, the baby is genealogically fit. Incredible. So I'll say, listen to this, to the point, this is incredible. Tan Rabbanan, Rishon Royalios Koin Gadol. Let's say, listen to this, to the point, Shabbos say, here's the case, here's the case, right? Same case, same case, right? Ruvain passes away, leaves behind Rachel, Rachel goes ahead and does what she thought was Yibam with Shimon, gives birth. We're not sure. Baby, she gives birth, is this a seven-month-old, seven-month pregnancy for Shimon, nine-month pregnancy for Ruvain, for Ruvain. I will say, that baby, let's say again, it's a family of Kohanim, family of Kohanim. That baby, when the baby's born, totally fit, to the point that it's the family of Kohanim, then what? That baby is eligible to be the coin Gadol. Eligible to be the coin Gadol. Incredible. We'll say, but why, watch this. Let's say, let's say however, let's say however, Ruvain, uh, sorry, Shimon and Rachel remain married. They don't, they don't, right? The Mishra, they have to get divorced. Let's say they remain married. That second child, Vashini, Mamzer Misafek. See, I'll say, that second baby, that second baby, which definitely is whose baby? Whose baby? Rachel and Shimon, that's a Suffolk Mamzer. Why is it a Suffolk Mamzer? Because remember, again, Halacha Lamaisa, the marriage between Rachel and Shimon may be an illegal one. 
Because remember, again, that first baby may be Ruvain's baby. If it's Ruvain's baby, there's no din of Yibum. If there's no din of Yibum, the marriage between Rachel and Shimon is Eshes Ach, in which case any offspring would be a Mamzer. Now again, not a full Mamzer, it's a Suffolk Mamzer. They will say, right, what, what a Mishpacha, right? You want to talk about like second child issues, right? right? My, my, my older brother is fit to be a Kohen Gadol, right? And me, I'm a Suffolk Mamzer, right? I'm a Suffolk Mamzer. Also, I'll just point out something very beautiful here. We're not to be of time for it, but I'll just point out something very beautiful, which is this lushing of that the first baby is fit to be, fit to be the coin gadol. You know, so the Satmarov, Zuchusa Yagin Alenu says something so beautiful. He quotes the idea that that Shulchan Aruch says that if a mother gives birth to a baby and she can't nurse, and she has to hire a wet nurse, right? This is before the days of synthetic formula, right? So she has to hire a wet nurse. So the Shulchan Aruch says, if possible, hire a Jewish woman to nurse your baby. A Jewish woman should be hired to nurse a Jewish baby, right? Why? Why? Because ultimately you learn this from Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, right, when, when Bas Paro took him in, she, she, she hired a nurse. Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't nurse from a non-Jewish woman. She wouldn't nurse from a non-Jewish woman. Right? And the Gemara says, why? Because the mouth that was going to talk with the Shechina should only nurse from a Jewish mother. Should only nurse from, from, from a Jewish mother. So Satman says, that's says that again, a woman has a baby, she can't nurse, try to hire a Jewish woman. So Satman says, I don't understand. You're bringing a Raya from Moshe Rabbeinu? You're bringing a Raya from Moshe Rabbeinu? The Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't nurse from a non-Jewish because he was going to speak to the Shechina Pa'alpa. Satmarov says, you see that you have to tell, you have to look at every single child as if they have the ability to be a Moshe Rabbeinu. There's no such things in Yiddishkeit as has and has not, right? There's no such things like someone's born, oh, you're destined for greatness, you're not destined for greatness. Everyone's destined for greatness. We actualize it in different ways. But Lamaisa, when the baby is born, we look at that baby and say, you could be a Moshe Rabbeinu, you could be a Sari Imenu, you could be a Kohen Gadol. And that is the most incredible way in which we instill, if we remind our children that their greatness, that their potential is unlimited, then there's absolutely no telling what they can become. And it's not just hashkafa, this is institutionalized in halacha as well. Such an incredible yisod. In any event, right? so therefore again, I will say, First child, first child, ultimately again could be the Kohen Gadol. Second child, something Mamzer. Rabbi Lezben Yaakov Omer, Ein Mamzer Misafek. Rabbi Lezben Yaakov says, there's no such thing as a Mamzer Misafek. So what does that mean? My Ka'amra, Amr Abayi, so I'll say, there's a lot of Machlokis about this statement. So Amr Abayi, Hachikar, what it means to say? Rishon, Royalios, Kohen Gadol. So I'll say, the first kid I understand, because the first kid is definitively kosher. The only Shaila is what? Right, with the first baby, the only Shaila is what? Right, 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 right. Good. Who's your father, right? Who's your father, right? Who is your father, right? Is it, good. Is it, is it Ruvain or is it Shimon, right? That's the only Shaila. Second child, again, Rebbe Lezze says, says that it's a Suffolk Mamzer. So what does this mean about? Say, Hachikamar. Reassure Elios Kohen Gadol, Shemi Suffolk Mamzer, Vaasr Bamamzeres. Rebbe say, the second child, we still don't really know his status, right? We still don't know his status. Rebbe say, now the second child is not a, is not, is not a, is not a Suffolk in paternity, but it is a suffix in status. Is the relationship in the marriage between his parents a legal one or an illegal one? Because of that, again, he's a suffix mamzer. What does it mean to be a suffix mamzer, I'm saying? Suffix mamzer? Suffix mamzer means you can't really marry anyone, right? You're stuck. He's not allowed to marry mamzer. So, really, Ezra Omer, ain't no suffix mamzer, elevate mamzer, umutra mamzer. So, really, Ezra argues, he says, no. This child is not a suffix mamzer. This child is a vaday mamzer. And therefore, halacha lamaisa. Allah Lamaisa permitted to marry Mamzeras. So the Gemara says, Rava Amar Halki, what does it mean to say? Rishon Raelios Kohen Gadol, we're just trying to figure out what Rabbi Ali Ezra ben Yaakov is saying. First child, I'll say again, first child is fine, it could be even Kohen Gadol. Vesheni, Mamzer Vadai Misafik. This is such a great line. What's the second child? He's a Mamzer Vadai Misafik. Oh, okay. Rashi says, what does that mean? Kilomar, Mitoch Safik Zeh, Naase Kivadai Mamzer. Because, so here's how I have to read it. Because of the suffix, we'll say, what's the suffix? What's the suffix? Are his parents legally married or not? Because of the suffix, the second child status becomes one of a vaday mamzer. 
right? Because the suffix creates a situation of a vaday mamzer. And therefore, again, umutr mamzeres. And therefore, he's permitted to marry mamzeres. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, ein vaday mamzer misafek. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says that does not make any sense. You cannot make a vaday mamzer from what? From a case, ultimately, again, of a suffix. In other words, most of you have a suffix over here. What's the suffix? The suffix is, are Rachel and Shimon legally married or not? Is it Ishas Ach or is it a permitted marriage? So you can't make a definitive mamzer from a case of suffix Isser. Ella, suffix mamzer, va'asr b'mamzer. Rather, Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov will say, at most, child number two is a suffix mamzer. Rabbi say, so on one hand, you say, well, I guess being a suffix mamzer is better than being a an all-in mamzer, right? But Lamaisa is actually not, because at least, I will say, it's an incredible, it's an incredible yisod also. You know, having, having doubtful identity is worse than having no identity, right? So Lamaisa, at least when a person is a mamzer, they know who they are, they know what they are, they know who they can marry. Suffolk mamzers, as they say, nishtahin nishtaher, right? There, there, is, there is nothing to do. I mean, there, there, there are people you can marry, but Lamaisa, again, he's stuck, he's in limbo, to which the Gemara says as follows. Siddhi Gemara says, Rabbi Elazar. And they're arguing over Elazar. This man, Rabbi Elazar Omer, Vadon Bivadon Mutter. Vadon Bisvekon, sorry, Usvekon Bivadon, Usvekon Bisvekon Mutter. So Rabbi Elazar says like this People who are genealogically blemished, and they're Vadai genealogically blemished, they are permitted to marry each other. Ultimately, again, Suffake genealogical blemishes are not permitted to marry each other. So we'll say, for example, a mamzer can marry a mamzer, a mamzer can marry a shifcha, right? these people can marry, but we'll say, a suffolk mamzer cannot marry a suffolk mamzer, right? Why not? Why not? Because again, it, turn out, it might turn out that what? One of them is a mamzer, one of them is not a mamzer. So ultimately, ve'elu hein sveikon, we'll say, what are the cases of suffolk genealogy? Listen to this. Shtuki asufi vakusi. So we'll say, here are cases of suffolk. Shtuki, well, it's actually Shtuki. Rashi says, Shekori Shtuki is a, is a child when, when ultimately, again, the child starts calling out for his father, the mother silences him, right? Which is usually of saying she doesn't know who the father is or whatever else. That's a Shtuki, right? Asufi is a child literally, again, who's abandoned by parents and taken in, literally collected, right? Asuf. By someone else. Just, these, these are all people who don't know their true, their true paternity. The Kusi. And I will say Kusi again. We've always had the Kusi. Rashi says, In So listen to this. I will say, so in, interestingly enough, Kusim were not Makbid on Kiddushin. So I will say, so in, what, what ended up happening by the Kusim is that Halacha Lamaisa, because they were not careful with the laws of Kiddushin, it created a lot of mamzer situations, okay? Or, or I should say, suffering mamzer situations. Hillel said, there were 10, listen to this, there were 10 genealogical categories who came up from Babel. Listen to this, who were they? Kohani, Levi'e, Yisraeli. They have Kohani, Levi'e, Yisraelim. Chaloli. They will say Chalolim. Remember again, what are Chalolim? Chalolim are the offspring of illegal Kohanic marriages. Not illicit marriages, but illegal marriages. Geirei, right, are ultimately again Geirim. Right, converse. Chalurei, emancipated slaves. Mamzerei, Mamziri. Nesine, we'll say, remember again, the Nesinim were the, were the nation that Yoshua ben Nun made a treaty with. He thought they were from out of Canaan. They tricked him. They're really from within Canaan. They were accepted. Shtuki, Asufi. The Kulan Mutarin Lavozevozeh. And ultimately, again, all of them are permitted to intermarry one into the other. And Abbasid Rashi points out, no way. No way. What it means is, actually, interestingly enough, each category is permitted to marry with the one directly under it. That's, that's the way it works. And sometimes, again, with two under it. Like Kohanim could marry, right? Leviim Yisraelim, but not Chalolim. But Leviim Yisraelim can marry Chalolim. So that's how that works. So the Gemara says, Va'at Amrit, Halacha Grabi Al-Azhar. And you're saying that Halacha Vazhar Al-Azhar doesn't make any sense. The Rosh Gemara says, Abai Yisraelim Kishmo Damar, Halacha Kihilal. Umuki la Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov aliba de Hilchasa, ki hechi de lo tikshi Hilchasa Hilchasa. Sabai is held like Shmuel, who said the halacha falls Hillel, and ultimately Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov established this according to the halacha in order that we not have contradictory halachas. Rabbi Sarah lakirav, Dermalach Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi holds like Rabbi holds like the halacha falls Rabbi Eliezer. Umuki la Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov aliba de Hilchasa, 
So ultimately, Rav also held like Rav, but ultimately, again, he said the halacha falls like Rabbi Lazar and establish it like Rabbi Lazar by Yaakov in order that the halachos not contradict each other. I'm Rabbi, I'll say, I'm a base, I'm Rabbi, I'm a base, I'm Where do I know this? Right? I'm a base, 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 we kind of treat like Suffolk Mamzerus or Suffolk in general, like a Vadai, to which the Gemara says, the Lazar ben Yaakov Omer, Anoshim What's an example? A man has relations with multiple women. And let's say again, included in that category are some women, or included in that group, are some women who are prohibited to him. But he doesn't know whom he had relations with or whom he didn't. Or you have a woman who had relations with multiple men, right? Some of them being a surah to her, and she's pregnant, and she does not know whom she is pregnant from. Nimsa will say, What's the problem? Nimsa av no says Vito, Vaach no says Achoso, Vinismale kola olam kulo mamzerim. What's the problem? See, now what happens? We have cases of Suffolk Mamzerus over here, right? Because halacha let's say within that category, we're siblings, right? Or within that. So the man doesn't know that he have relations with his sister, now they have relations with his sister. The woman doesn't know who she's pregnant from. So again, this is obviously an extreme case. You're going to see why we're pointing this out over here, is because you could have a situation where brothers end up marrying sisters, because people aren't keeping proper track of offspring, and the world becomes filled with mamzerim. Now I will say, why are you bringing up this case? Because to highlight the idea that Rabbi Lazar Yaakov says that a Suffolk mamzer is a mamzer. A Suffolk mamzer is a mamzer, right? Because remember again, in this case, you have Suffolk, Suffolk. But yet again, we're still calling that mamzerus. And about this, the Pasuk says, Ultimately, again, the world will be filled with immorality. Look at Rashi, second line from the top. This is the definitive position of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. He holds that a Suffolk Mamzer is still called a Mamzer. And I will say, this is the point of contention in this particular sugya. But say, just to remind you, by the way, how did we get here? How did we get here? We got here because a very important point for, for, for our purposes, for Yibum purposes, which is that in this case, where Rachel, where Rachel did Yibum with Shimon, it turns out that she's pregnant, right? Remember again, she gives birth. What's our suffix? What's our suffix? Is this a nine month baby for Ruvain or her right, her first, or is this a seven month baby for Shimon? So we'll say, what's the, and now again, she gives birth. What's, remember again, what's the halacha by that case? What's the halacha by that case? Step one, step one, they have to divorce. Right? Step two, they both have to bring an Asham Talui. Step three, status of the child, 100% kosher. To the point that Gemara said, if it's a family of Kohanim, he's even eligible to be the Kohen Gadol. However, if Rachel and Shimon remain together and build their family, now we're in problematic territory. Because that second child, again, I both say now is what? Suffolk Mamzer. Now again, remember, why Suffolk Mamzer? Because it's possible that the marriage between Rachel and Shimon is the biblical erva of Eishes Ach. So therefore, again, you have Suffolk Mamzerus. So I will say, who is the opinion who holds that there's a concept? So again, the general machlokis, again, we just don't have time to do it justice, but the general machlokis is, do we say that Mamzerus is only a definitive status? Or is there such a concept of Suffolk Mamzerus as well? That's the machlokis. That's the machlokis. And all the Gemara is showing over here is that Rabbi Eliezer and Yaakov is the opinion who holds that there is a concept of Suffolk Mamzerus. Good. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, Yaz, good. Rabbi will say, Hachi Kamar. Rabbi will say, Rabbi is just arguing on the Pasuk. He's not arguing on the Halacha. What does it mean? The Mala Aretz Zima. Rabbi will say, What does Zima mean? What is Zima? Right? So Zima, we translate as immorality. Rabbi says, No, no, Hachi Kamar. Zu. Mahi. Zima is actually a contraction of two of three words. Zu mahi. What is this? It's bolstering the idea if you look at Rashi, Lashon Safik. Right? So the word Zima itself includes not only definitive acts of immorality, but even Safik acts of immorality. Yes, so I can Yaakov. Lo Yisa Adam, you listen to this, this is pretty wild. Lo Yisa Adam Isha Bamadina Zu, Fiyelech Vi Isha Isha Bamadina Acheras. A man 
should not marry one woman in one country and another woman in another country. Both say, by the way, this is good advice, right? This is good, solid advice. Hey, so don't have, don't have two families in two countries. Why not? Shema yizdagbenu zelazeh, benim tza'ach no se'asach oso. They're both saying, it's interesting. Remember, what's the problem with this? The problem with this is, if one family doesn't know about the other family, it turns out that what? That halacha lamaisa, you could have siblings ending up marrying one another. That's the problem over here. So therefore I will say, the Gemara says, Ini, is that so? Is that so? V'ha rav ki ikla ledarshir, ledardoshir, makriz v'amar man yoma. Yet I will say, when Rav would go to the dasher, he would go and he would announce, who wants to be my wife for the day? So I will say, so now, here's what's interesting about this. We're going to explain what this is in just a moment. But he's going to different locales, right? Whenever he would travel, go to Dardashir, he would say, I'm looking to get married for the day. And I will say, they had their families back home, but now they're traveling. They're making this announcement, who wants to go ahead and be my wife for the time that I'm in this place? To which the Gemara says, Shani Rabbanon de Paki Shamayu. That's not a problem. Why? Because we both say, what are we concerned about? In other words, remember again, this is polygamy is permitted. So what's the problem if they want to have wives in different places? So Lamaisa, again, the problem is we're concerned about siblings marrying each other. So apparently, again, in these cases of these famous Rabbanim, that wasn't an issue. Why? Because everyone knew who they were. So when there's fame, when people are known, then Halacha Lamaisa, again, there's no concern. There's no concern about ultimately, again, brothers marrying sisters. I have Amarava. Rava says, Rava says, now we're a little bit intrigued by this practice over here. Right? You go on a trip, right? They went on a business trip. Who wants to be my wife for the time that I'm here on the business trip? So Rava says, so practically, how does it even work? After Amarava, there's an interesting which is that when a man asks a woman to marry him, there's something called dam chimud. Dam chimud means an emission of blood that comes from like a surge of a feeling of love. So it's an interesting halach. And we saw, we saw this in the second nida. So therefore, whenever a man proposes to a woman, she automatically has to assume that she has become a nida. So if they're rolling into town, right, they say, who wants to be my wife for the time that I'm here? It doesn't even work because even if a woman says yes, she has to assume that she became a nida and there's a requirement to go out and observe seven days. Shevinikim. To which the Rabbanon says, Rabbanon, shluchaihu hava mishteri umodilu. No, no, no. They would send the guy ahead, right? In other words, they wouldn't wait to get to town to make the marriage proposal, but rather, again, they would go ahead and send the shaliach ahead of time to identify the right woman, Vibay Seima. I will say, listen to this, but here's really what I say, Vibay Seima, Rabbanin Yehudi Ba'amahu Dimiyachtiluhu. I will say, in reality, we'll say, why, why were these Rabbanin doing this? And I was, let, let's be honest, this sounds a little bit strange, right? Rav is going to, to Dardoshe, who wants to be my wife. Rav Nachman is going to Shrinsip, who wants to be my wife. What's going on over here? I will say, in reality, this is actually something absolutely amazing. They were away from their wives, and they were concerned that when being away from their wives, what would happen? Temptation sets in. The goal over here wasn't to have a woman to have relations with. The goal, to he- the goal over here was to have what we call pas besalo, bread in the basket. Rashi says over here, that Rigmar says, their intention wasn't to live with these women. Their intention ultimately, again, was liachude. Ultimately, again, to have the ability to have relations. The Amar Mar, Ultimately, again, you can't compare someone who has bread in their basket to someone who does that bread in their basket. Also, in other words, we've seen this Yisod, which is actually quite, quite amazing and profound, which is that Allah Lamaisa, again, the idea that we see this, we saw this by the Ishiti by Yom Kippur, right? But what happened by the Ishiti by Yom Kippur? They set up booths, and by each booth, they had water and food for the person. Sometimes knowing that you have access to something gives you the restraint to say, I don't, I don't need it. So I will say the knowledge that they had a permissible way to live with a woman ultimately, again, was enough to keep their desires in check, which I will say is such a profound use. So we'll have to stop with this. But I just want to point out something absolutely amazing. And I will say it is so important to be honest with ourselves about who we are and what we are and to recognize that no one's above temptation. Right? We go ahead and we see this. Oh, Rav, Rav, nah, what's going on over here? I will say when a man is away from his wife, temptation sets in. 
And it is arrogant to think that any one of us is above it. Right? Just Rav and Rav Nachman, Rav and Rav Nachman were honest about it. So Rav and Rav Nachman, kind of, okay, I don't, I don't know that any was obligated to go to these measures, right? But Lamaisa, what, what an overwhelming Gemara, right? And what an affirming Gemara, that Allah Lamaisa, again, everyone has temptations. Like Chazal told us, the two things that every single person has a desire for is immorality and theft and money. And money, those are the two things, share temptations. Ultimately, again, Rav and Rav Nachman are saying you have to be proactive in ensuring that your temptations do not derail you. I'm not advising. I don't think this is the right approach for us, right? But, but, lamaisa, but lamaisa, a person does have to devise the proper mechanisms that we, that we fulfill. Loli de nisayon, veloli de visayon. To actively take steps to ensure that we do not fall prey to our temptations. We'll have to stop over here. We'll pick up a grant. We're not finished this. So we'll pick up this tomorrow. Shkaya. Yeah.